0: What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, for Found Majushefsky, and I'm excited about this episode because it's going to be a compilation. One, as I was going through all my old episodes and I realized that I've done three separate episodes on knee pain, and since knee pain is quite common for... Um, a lot of people even for myself over the years I've experienced knee flare-ups because of stupid shit that I've done Um, I think it's gonna be valuable to bring these three episodes all together to have kind of like what I've been doing the ultimate guide to knee pain in this case so three of these episodes one of them we go over kind of like the pain mechanisms of knee pain The anatomy of knee pain and what things can influence the knee going into ranges that may not be, you know, the best for you. And I think it's really important to understand this to preventing knee pain because a lot of us just kind of go, you know, willy nilly in the gym and we kind of just hope for the best when it comes to sorry my camera is just fucking terrible right now and we just kind of hope for the best when it comes to training uh in the gym if we're hiking whatever it is and we kind of investigate what influences the knee aka the hip and ankle when it comes to anything you know physical like exercise or i don't know um Running, walking, hiking, those sorts of things. And then, in another episode, we go over um, what are the typical injuries that we see with the knee, how most knee injuries happen. And then we also go over exercises to do if you have knee pain because that's one of the things is like, you know, you could be training and you know everything is going in the right direction for you you're seeing progression, you're being consistent, and then out of nowhere, you're like, fuck, my knee that had an ACL reconstruction, um, you know, two years ago is kind of getting, um, sorry, um, is kind of getting flared up again and I don't know what to do in the gym because every leg exercise hurts. So this is where my experience training clients for the last 12 years, um, figuring out what exercises are knee friendly. So if you do experience a flare up or you know out of nowhere your knee hurts so bad that you can't even kneel on it what you can do in the gym instead and sure you can go down the path of like I'm just gonna do upper body for the next like three weeks before it you know settles down but to be honest like your upper body can only take so much volume before you're like fuck I need to you know stop this and you know like your shoulders are sore and everything like that so We go over the typical exercises I give clients when they're dealing with stuff like that. And I think this whole episode all put together is going to be a very useful tool and um, kind of guideline. And hopefully I answer all the questions because I was writing down like all the common things that I see with clients, patients in the clinic dealing with knee pain who are, you know, inactive or active and just giving them all the solutions they can have to ensure that you know they can get back to their normal because when you hurt your knee or you have a flare up, like you learn that your knee influences a lot of movement and it's kind of hard to come back from that. And uh, hopefully this kind of sheds some light and uh, yeah, I'm excited to bring this together. So without further ado, here is the knee compilation episode. Everything you need to know about the knee, the ultimate guide. Here we go. What's up, podcast listeners? This is your host, Profound Matyshevsky, for another edition of the podcast and video thing that I've been doing and posting on my YouTube. And shout out to everyone who's been listening and subscribing. And once again, I'm going to say it over and over again if you are listening, hit the show notes and watch this video because it's going to be um, quite visual and I'm going to do some demos and also some exercise selection things that you can do at home before your workouts and your warm-ups, whatever it is, and uh, also subscribe. Um, So we're going to do some shout-outs because I always tend to forget and hopefully my laptop works here. Um, so 100% I am going to butcher this name and I feel terrible, but I am one of those people that can't pronounce things apparently. Um, so really cool. The last 24 hours, um, this one city out in Mexico has been listening to my show 441 times. Oh, here I go. Tux t'la. Gutierrez, 100% butchered that, I apologize. So, anyone from Mexico, please reach out and let me know how to pronounce it correctly. And I've done that one worked t- uh, once before. It was like a city out in Sweden or someone, and someone actually on my Facebook reached out and just sent like a little voice clip and memo of how to pronounce it. So, shout out to that person who did that like, I don't know, a year ago. Um, and then, my number two most listened city, all the way in Colorado, the city of Boulder and number 3 all the way in California the city of San Francisco so funny enough that San Fran is my third most listened city cuz literally a year ago today I was in San Fran for my functional release seminar and it was literally the last conference thing that I've went to where you actually got to travel And it's kind of surreal that this whole pandemic now is like reaching its one year milestone for many of us when it comes to looking back a year ago today. But anyway, onwards and upwards, as they say, Um, what we're going to talk about today is knee pain, because honestly, I think as much as everyone would like to think that, you know, they've done a good job trying to stay pain free, we've all kind of experienced either some serious knee pain or just some knee pain that is annoying and you've had to modify a lot of exercises and things like that and I want to get into kind of like the anatomy of it, why it matters, um, common reasons why people get knee pain and kind of wrap it all up with some suggestions and some exercise prescription and things like that. And I think probably the biggest thing when it comes to knee pain is figuring out why, because most likely it's going to happen again. And I think a lot of us who've gone to either a physio, chiro, massage, whatever it is, a lot of times when it comes to knee pain, they tend to treat just the knee itself and again like that's a good thing to do to kind of lower inflammation and like you know the quality of the pain so then when you leave the clinic you can actually walk and not feel completely destroyed but there's usually a um an underlying issue that's a got to look on the bigger picture so in my industry or i don't even know where i stole this saying from but um the knee joint is considered the stupid joint because it's usually dictated by the hip and the ankle. So usually when I see a patient or I have a client dealing with knee pain, right away I'm looking at how um, the hip and ankle move and the surrounding musculature and then I also look at the knee itself because the knee needs to be able to move and I'm kind of Explain why. So, um, this is where the laptop is going to come super in handy. Um, Because, again, I am a huge visual learner, and when it comes to anatomy, me just saying, you know, um, muscles doesn't really help anyone. And I feel like a lot of times when people are at, um, what's it called, Uh, conferences or whatever, and people yell out a to yell out say out a muscle name and everyone's supposed to know what that is but um, just like last time I'm really hoping that you guys will be able to see this so this guy right here well you can see the ring light oh there you go it looks better um, so this is the sartorius muscle so if you can see I'm trying to get the ring out of there Ooh, my laptop is super dirty but you can see how the red line is kind of focused on where the muscle is, you can kind of see where it attaches from the hip to the knee. And the interesting thing about the sartorius or the next muscles I'm gonna be kind of talking about is that the fact that they cross two joints. So it already shows how much influence now that this hip that may not be working the way it should um, is influencing the knee. So we already have one muscle that we're gonna be talking about and some other ones down the line about how it influences our movement, right? Um, so if you think about one giant muscle literally running from your hip all the way down to your knee, we already have kind of a clue of where to go. So now I'm thinking, okay, what other you know muscle out there in the hip slash knee region would be also connected? So let's pull up... The quadricep muscle. So again, stupid ring light. So the green, you can see how it's connected to our pelvis and then goes all the way down to the knee. Another great example. And I think for most of us, you know, sitting at a desk all day, we can assume that those quads are quite tight. And if you are like anyone else out in the world, foam rolling, and you get to your quads, I think all of us go, oh shit, that's tight, ooh, that doesn't feel good. And then you wonder why a lot of people end up having hip pain, I mean, not hip pain, sorry, knee pain. Um, The other one that I wanna bring up as well is the muscle called the gracilis. So if you, again, you can see past my damn ring light, pelvis, inside of the pelvis is basically an adductor. It goes across, again, inside towards the knee. So I've already brought up a bunch, well, three muscles so far, um, how they're connected to the knee. So now imagine those three muscles are not functioning the way they should. They might have some tightness, and that's in air quotes, and that's gonna influence how the knee moves. So for example, if I know that my quads are super tight, and I'm trying to do an exercise like a reverse lunge. And I actually wanna demo that. So I'm gonna move this guy and hopefully I don't mess anything up. So actually I'm gonna make this go a little bit lower. Thank you for bearing with me. So we are looking at my right leg. If I know that my quad goes from the hip down over towards my knee, and I know that these guys are super tight because I'm in this position all day, and I go into a reverse lunge, and all of this is now being stretched, and I go down to that reverse lunge, I'm gonna start feeling that tightness going all the way down from my hip down towards my knee. So if I allow my muscle to, again, air quotes, stay tight, things like reverse lunges, jogging, running, like anything that requires you to do hip extension is probably not going to be um, the best feeling. And that knee is going to kind of take on a lot of that pressure. Now, if we think about the that torus that goes from the hip across and then down into the inside of the knee. And we're also thinking about the gracilis that goes from the inside of our pelvis down to the inside of our knee. And we're trying to do, let's say, lateral lunges, lateral split squats. We're trying to play soccer, and all these guys are tight. And that allows our knee to flex and extend because it goes across this way. And this is one of the reasons why, in my um, kin stretch class, I do a lot of adductor work because people just have no control over it. So actually, a simple um, exercise that I tend to give a lot in my kin stretch classes for um, this specific reason, and I'm gonna try to get this nice and low so you guys can see. So if I was in my 90-90 position with my left leg in front, really simply, all I get people to do in my kin stretch class is to demonstrate their active range when it comes to one hip flexion and um, adductor um, strength. Actively lifting it up off the ground. So essentially all I tell people to do is to think of getting their left ankle in this case to lift off the ground and hold and isometrically hold it without like leaning back caving in or anything like that to Get these guys stronger and as we get this guy moving and grooving a little bit better adding knee extension and flexion because again like the thing, like the sartorius and the gracilis, they're all on the inside that cover our knee. Also our quad again, goes from our hip down over onto our knee. So when it comes to the relation of these uh, muscles that cover two joints, it's probably quite important to also demonstrate not only um, what they can singularly do just at the knee, but also at the hip. So in this case, I'm adding hip flexion. And now if I wanted to challenge those three muscles, it's also adding some knee extension and flexion to really focus on getting all those muscles um, actively moving uh, through both joints. And anytime I throw this exercise or any other kind of variation, utilizing those adductors and hip flexors that Cross both joints, people have a really, really, really tough time with them. So now that kind of gets my brain kind of thinking like, okay, if people are having trouble with that, just lifting their own leg off the ground, when it comes to running, playing soccer, doing lunges, step-ups, back squats, deadlifts in the gym... Something is going to have to give and a lot of times it's the knee is going to take up the grunt of the work And over time, it's kind of like the straw that breaks the camel's back and now I have Soreness around the knee and it might be most likely due to the hip. So other than the Muscles that I've just kind of spoke about there's other ones surrounding the knee that will um, influence how much movement you get. And it's usually all the muscles in your hip that focus on hip flexion. So hip flexion, again, if you don't remember from previous videos, is when I drive my leg up towards the ceiling, I'm doing hip flexion. So if you think about what we do on a daily basis and sit all day, all those hip flexors are going to end up getting quite tight. And when we have those hip flexors quite tight, it's going to influence how the pelvis moves, right? So if I'm trying to do any, any exercise that requires my lower body, and if I don't have adequate hip mobility, again, the knee kind of takes the grunt of the work and it kind of sucks. So if you think about um, when I demos, demonstrated hip cars, it kind of goes through all the ranges that a healthy hip can do. So if you, Look here, how I coach hip cars is I also add adduction right off the bat. So kind of similar to what we did here in with the 90-90, as I'm driving my leg up, I'm going into adduction and external rotation, coming out of it, rotating around and behind. So in a healthy hip, all these ranges should be available with any kind of compensation. So when I do hip cars, you don't see anything else in my body move other than my hip. So going back and forth, I'm demonstrating what a healthy hip can do. So now imagine you know, the average Joe where they sit all day and those ranges are not available to them. Again, the knee kind of takes the brunt of the work or worse, also the low back. So usually if you find yourself in that pain category where you're trying to move and feel better, you usually have two, I would classify three things, but the most common ones are um, low back pain and knee pain, and then the third one usually is like shoulder pain, all due to what's happening at the hip, right? And if you think about it too, it's like the hip is designed to be a super, super mobile joint. The low back is supposed to be designed as a stable joint, and the knee as well is supposed to be designed as a um, stable joint. So if you have one joint in the middle between those, it's almost like a sandwich, um, that's not doing its job, now the low back and the knee have to make up for the lack of mobility through the hip. So now that we kind of looked at all the stuff that influences the hip, now we also have another um, kind of player to the game when it comes to knee pain, which is our ankle. So if you think about um, your ankle, it, has quite a bit of different um, abilities to do certain movements. So if you think about, again, if you're lunging, walking, playing soccer, running, doing CrossFit, whatever it is, your ankles need some adequate um, ankle mobility. And if you can remember, hopefully you can see, um, ankles, can either go into plantar flexion, so me pushing my toes straight, or dorsiflexion driving my toes up towards my knee. So like a simple ankle mobility exercise is just me driving my front knee forward and back and kind of going through the range of ankle dorsiflexion. So now if you think about it, um, even how I'm sitting right now in a deep squat, one, I need hip mobility to do that, and two, I also need really, really good ankle mobility. If I don't have ankles that move um, adequately enough just enough in order for me to squat um, lunge step up whatever it is again that knee is going to take up all the work and if you remember earlier um, our knee is a stable joint and it wants to stay stable but if it doesn't have hip mobility and ankle mobility it's like a double whammy and now you're dealing with a lot of shit (laughs) Um, so looking at ankle mobility um, simple things that you can do one um, ankle cars to get some motion in there and ankle cars I have posted before but I don't think I've ever brought it up on the show so if I have my right leg front and my left leg bent, left hand goes through, right hand holds left hand, and I start drawing big, 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 big circles with my foot. And what's interesting too is when I bring this exercise in my kin stretch classes, almost everyone is really good going here into plantar flexion or dorsiflexion, but when it comes to like going onto the inside or outside limits. To kind of create that circle, it almost is like choppy and like it's not a smooth movement. Because when is the last time have you ever really moved your ankle to those kind of like, if you look at my hand being flat and that's your foot, going into a, you know, inversion or eversion position and adding like abduction and adduction movements? Like, I don't think we've ever really done it because we always walk straight and never into lateral positions to kind of develop that movement. So now when it comes to like squatting, lunging, things like that, if we already know that those outer limits going into inversion, eversion, we're not that, um, let's say, you know, adequate at moving in those ranges, again, that knee's gonna track in weird places and that can cause some pain. So like knee tracking, if you look at my knee, when I want to, lunge or anything like that it should kind of fall in line where my foot is pointing and a lot of times when people don't have adequate ankle dorsiflexion where i can go forward and like when i test ankle uh, mobility in my assessment the biggest thing is i get people in this half kneel position and I just tell them okay to drive your knees as far forward as possible over your toe and people with really good mobility is like yeah sure no problem but a lot of times Our body's really, really, really good at cheating movement. I always say this. And it's sometimes a good thing and sometimes a bad thing. So what I usually see, if I am in front of you, and I know I'm wearing all black and I should have worn different clothing, but a lot of times, if you look at my fingers, this is gonna be to represent my knee. People start going forward and at your end range where your body goes, oh, you don't have enough ankle dorsiflexion, let me give it to you in a different way. So usually what happens, It comes forward and then the hip rotates out to give you more so it's throwing you into almost internal rotation and that becomes like a movement behavior so every time you're required to get enough ankle dorsiflexion whole body goes into this position kind of giving you a false sense of ankle dorsiflexion and a lot of times that is something called a valgus collapse where the knee caves in so if I was Squatting I didn't have one adequate hip mobility or enough ankle dorsiflexion or mobility in general stuff like this happens to get More depth and just even a small little bit because sometimes it's not both knees It's usually just like the ones so I'm coming down on my squat and this will happen To get more and over time same problem say I'm doing lunges split squats It's just like a small little thing where it constantly caves in and you know straw that breaks the camel's back and now it's like okay the inside of my knee is really hurting so kind of moving forward in the next bit that's one of the most common things is people get pain on the inside of their knee due to that valgus collapse because it's just a moving behavior that your body kind of learned to give you a false sense of mobility now the other uh, most common kind of painful spot for a lot of people is on the outside of the knee And again, that goes back to adequate hip mobility, enough ankle mobility, and usually what causes that if you look at the anatomy of kind of the top of the quad. And let's actually, I think I have a good photo of that. Just hang on here. We're learning together, you know? This is great. Where is it? So. So this guy totally stole it from a different website and you can see the copyright in the back but um, if you look on this side right here, again freaking ring light, and we look on the outside where we have our vastus lateralis muscle that kind of goes all underneath where the IT band is and like you know everyone talks about like IT band syndrome. One, you rolling out your IT band over and over and over again is not going to fix um, your IT band syndrome. It's probably just going to lessen the intensity, but that band is designed to be super, super, super tight. Like, you can... I can't remember the number, but they've done a bunch of research where, you know, in order to loosen that IT band, like, you almost need, like, 2,000 pounds of force Per square inch to actually like loosen it up so it's designed to be tight but that doesn't mean that the muscles of your hip that run down to the outside of the knee if the, all of these are super tight then that's going to kind of pull on all this stuff and even lightly touching the outside of the knee is going to hurt so again we're looking at hip mobility that's preventing you from doing certain exercises, certain movements, they'll cause lateral knee pain. Now the other one, in my experience, not that common, but it does happen, is pain on the front side of the knee. And usually, again, quads can be super tight causing the pain in here, but usually like the front of the knee stuff is due to kind of a sports injury. If you've had like an ACL sprain, tear, things like that, Um, that causes quite a bit of discomfort and pain. Now, what are some maybe like knee-friendly exercises? Because I get that question a lot. It's like, hey, if I've had knee pain forever, off and on, it's always been an issue, I've had my ACL reconstructed, whatever it is, right? So one, I kind of look at, okay, we need to have adequate hip mobility, adequate ankle mobility, and when those things are covered, now I'm looking at knee friendly exercises. So things like back squats, probably not going to be a good idea. Things like lunges, probably not going to be a good idea. Things like step ups, probably not going to be a good idea. So essentially anything that requires knee flexion is going to bug the knee like a bitch. Like think about all the muscular structure that we were talking about that kind of wraps around the knee you bending it further, now you're lengthening all this tissue, it's not going to feel fucking great. So you're going to have to find things that don't aggravate it. And when we do that, when we find exercises that don't aggravate the knee joint that's causing you pain, it gives it time to settle the fuck down. And then you can start working on other stuff to improve the function of the knee, which we'll get to pretty soon. So anyone that I have that has knee pain, I look on, We'll look for exercises that don't require a lot of knee flexion, so something as simple as glute bridges. So if you look at the nature of the glute bridge, like, yeah I'm in knee flexion but most people with knee pain can get into this position without any pain, and we're just doing bridges. We can do single leg glute bridges, we can do feet elevated on a box or a bench um, glute bridges, we can do hip thrusts, we can do single leg hip thrusts and from there if we wanted to get a little bit more fancy single leg deadlift like that's going to be a huge player because one it doesn't require a lot of knee flexion doesn't require a lot of ankle dorsiflexion so we're kind of on the clear there deadlifts in general are going to be great um, substitution we can do hamstring curls with a stability ball we can do glue bridges off the stability ball like anything that kind of just keeps the knee in one kind of locked position almost, when you think about any kind of bridge variation, tends to help a lot. Now, looking at the knee joint itself. So if you um, think about it, um, the knee joint does have movement itself. So there's something like your um, shin bone, so your tibia that runs down to your ankle up towards your knee, it's able to actually like move within your knee joint itself. So when I am in a seated position and I'm kind of about to do ankle cars like we were talking about before. We can teach and also assess if we have adequate tibial rotation in order to lunge, squat, run, or all any lower body um, exercise. And when I have my kin stretch classes, this is the thing that people struggle the most. So I've kind of, based on my own experience, realized that two things. Number one, most people don't have adequate control over their knee joint and adequate um, uh, tibial rotation. And the other one is that people have limited tibial rotation, which throws a lot of things off when it comes to going to the gym. So what a knee car looks like as I drive my toes up towards my face. So now I'm locking out the ankle joint from any kind of movement and it's going to be solely on just the knee joint itself. I'm also placing my hip into as much knee flexion as, um, not knee flexion, uh, hip flexion as much as possible to ensure that I'm only moving through the tibia. So if I rotate externally, I'm moving my tibia right now within the joint, and I go back and forth just like this, almost like a little window wiper, and I'm moving my tibia within my knee joint. And a lot of times, I wish I had a little sticky note, but if you think about it, if you look at my thumb, if I now rotate, now my thumb is out to the side, I rotate in, it's rotating in. So back and forth, I'm moving my tibia. Now think about this position that I'm in right now. It looks very similar to what we do in a daily basis at the gym. So what exercise forces you to go into hip flexion and ankle dorsiflexion? Squats. So if you think about it from a standing position, I'm going into hip flexion and I'm needing ankle dorsiflexion. So what I'm actually doing is asking my body to get adequate tibial rotation. So what if, based on my experience again, in my kin stretch classes that basically everyone that attends, and they do get better over time, has no control of how this tibia moves or they have limited tibial rotation, where's all the pressure gonna go? It's probably gonna go into your low back and it's probably gonna go into your knee over and over and over and over and over again when you're doing squats. And then on top of that, you've signed yourself up to a boot camp the bullshit thing where you're doing squat jumps and burpees that all require adequate tibial rotation. So over and over and over, it's like a square pig in a round hole going through, and now you have knee pain. So really, really when it comes down to how to fix knee pain is finding exercises that don't flare it up, which we've already went over to, and getting adequate mobility through your ankle and your hip, which we've already went through, and finding um, control over your tibia and getting um, a little bit more range of motion. So, exercise prescription for all those things. Hip CARS, which I already demoed, would be number one. Um, Hip 90-90 for external rotation. Finding your end range, holding it for two minutes, at the top of two minutes, you're gonna do pails and rails, meaning you're gonna drive your ankle and knee down into the ground as hard as possible for 10 seconds. After the 10 seconds, you'll realize you'll be able to go a little bit further, because you just spoke to your nervous system asking for more range. From there, the next thing is your rails. So you're gonna uh, ask your nervous system again for more range of motion by thinking of driving this leg up off the ground without leaning back. And then you're gonna do the same thing on the other side. Then the ankles you're going to go into a half kneeling position get into your end range of ankle dorsiflexion, pales pails and rails uh, after the two minutes and essentially what you're going to do for pails is you're going to be driving your toes down into the ground as hard as possible for 10 seconds release get a little bit further and then rails will be your toes going up for 10 seconds and then for tibial rotation again all of these have to be pain free if they're not pain free then you're not ready you're going to be in a half kneeling position and guess what? You're gonna rotate your foot in, keeping your knee where it is. And now we have some rotation into internal rotation of our um, tibia. And then pails and rails will be trying to push your foot against your um, your fingers. And then rails will be trying to coming off it without lifting up the heel. And then you can do the same thing the other way. Pails and rails here, pails and rails here. Those three for creating more um, range of motion as well as ankle cars, knee cars, hip cars, finding um, exercises that are not um, required so much knee flexion like I'm in right now, this deep squat. And over time it will get better. It's just being patient. And again, yes, you can layer on top some um, physical therapy, chiropractic, whatever it is to kind of speed up the process, but a lot of times it's just finding what works, keeping at it for a very long time and the knee pain will go away. Again, the biggest thing when it comes to training around knee pain is to ensure you're not going through pain and when pain is present, backing off and finding less range of motion within the exercise you're doing, eliminating the um, exercise completely or something else. So that being said, that was a lot of information. If you have any other questions based on knee pain or your knee pain specifically, let me know. And I'm happy to help. Um, Hit the show notes, add me on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. For all those who are listening right now, hit the show notes and watch this video. I do demonstrate quite a bit of stuff. And that's it for me. If you guys have any more questions, feel free to reach out. And that's it. Until next time. What is up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafal Matuszewski, and we are doing another presentation-styled uh, episode today, and I am super excited about it because we are going to go over the topic of knee pain. Um, I think for the most part, all of us have probably you know, experienced some sort of knee pain, knee discomfort, something to do with our knees. And it can go from, you know, some sort of impact injury um, as simple as like you like losing your balance and fucking falling onto your knee um, to a point where you walk a corner too fast and hit the coffee table really fucking hard and you end up falling over and, you know, being super, super exaggerating of how (laughs) terrible that was to playing a sport, getting you know, cut by the side and tearing something, or simply you start running and your knees start fucking hurting for some reason. So we're gonna kind of go over the things that I see at least um, in a clinical setting, and also from a training setting, and what I do about it. Um, to kind of begin, we're gonna start off with anatomy, of course, because that's what you do, and. Um, I'm going to have to do a screen share. Every time I do this, I uh, always forget how to do this. All right, screen share. Make this bigger somewhat, and I'm also going to make myself bigger so you guys can see my beautiful face. All right, well, this image is kind of small, but... I'm going to do my best. And for those who are listening, 100% hit the show notes and um, watch this video because we're going to go through anatomy. We're going to be going through exercises that you should be doing. And, you know, I will be trying to to be as descriptive as possible, but um, it's always better in video, which reminds me, if you guys have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? Join the other 355 people that watch and support me because my goal for 2022 is actually to get to a 1,000 subscribers on YouTube because I want to start doing more stuff like this, more video stuff, more um, visual stuff. So if you haven't done so already, hit the show notes and watch and subscribe. Okay, so let's go into this thing. So this is our knee joint. From the front view, from the side view, and from the back. So, the big um, patella, the big bony thing in front of you, um, is part of the knee joint, and it kind of just floats on top. Because, like, if you um, have your leg extended, but not like to a point where you're extending, where you're activating like your quad muscles. You can actually move your tibia back and forth for just to see if you actually have movement. And a lot of times, when people have a stiff patella, then that kind of leads to not the greatest sensations in your knees when you start running or doing any kind of single leg work. Um, or even when it comes to, you know, you just had an ACL surgery or any kind of surgery around your knee, your patella is not tracking the way it should then it could just be like some scar tissue stuff and you need to work that out but there should be some movement with the patella um that being said um it kind of floats on top and it's supported by a lot of like tendinous and ligamental um, structures to keep it where it is and then you have your shin bone called your tibia so if you imagine I can get my knee up here. Um, wow, this is actually pretty good. Um, so my patella right dead center, and then my tibia, this big bony thing is right here, and then we have something called your fibula, which is actually not in here, but it's this guy right here pointing with my little mouse uh, cruiser there, and it's the little bony part on that outside of your knee. And the reason why this is all important Is that when you walk, squat, your tibia can actually move back and forth. And you can kind of see I'm literally just doing internal and external rotation of my tibia. And if I have with me... Sorry, guys. I'm trying to get more of a visual. I might not... Ooh, maybe this will work. I was looking for a sticky note, but... This And hopefully this works. I'm totally just hoping that it works. So I have this little paper clip. Um, it's not going to work, and you might have to do it a little bit further down. I just love when I come up with random shit, and you can think that I'm full of shit, but hopefully this works out. Yes. Okay. So the little paper clip that I have up here that I just cleverly put together, um, represents where my tibia is. So right now it's pointing towards you. And if I think of rotating it to the right and yes, your knee joint can rotate. It doesn't just, you know, extend and flex. So look at the origin of where my knee is or my tibia is. And now look at where it's pointing up this way. And now I'm back to the center out to the side, back to the center. So why is that important? Well, when you decide to squat, that tibia needs to be able to move. When you decide to run, that tibia needs to move. When you decide to do a lunge, that tibia needs to be able to move. When you deadlift, that tibia fucking moves. What happens when your tibia doesn't have that range of motion. Knee pain, ankle pain, hip pain. One of those three things can happen. And a lot of times when people say like, oh, my freaking knee hurts. I don't know why. Like I'm foam rolling every single day. I'm doing mobility, whatever that means. And I, I do this with everyone. I check tibial rotation because they don't have it And they're telling me they're going to the gym three, four, five days a week or they're deadlifting and squatting all the time and their numbers are not going up. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're physically fighting your own like anatomy and biomechanics of how far you you can take your body. And this is something people don't ever think about when they exercise. And all of us who go down this whole realm of like health and fitness, I want to lose weight. I'm going to start running. I'm going to start doing a leg day because that's what Instagram is telling me to do, but you're limited to what your knee joint itself can do, right? So this is important why you need to know anatomy. This is why it's really important to exercise selection and how to stay pain-free because we all know, um, and I've brought this up on my show so many times that, you know, in order for us to be successful, we need to have consistency, right? We need to have a certain amount of workouts every week. We need to have enough, you know, calories burned, but you can't do those things if you're constantly dealing with knee pain. And it can be something as simple as, like, just get more range of motion of, you know, your tibia. Like, it's not rocket science. So now the question becomes, well, how do I get more range? And When you look at, you know, like, say the definition or a description of what a joint is, we all know that joints are designed to move. So then the next question becomes, when was the last time you moved your tibia? And most people look at me like, what the fuck are you talking about, (laughs) right? And, you know, again, I'm biased, stretch instructor, huge fan of Dr. Andrew Espina's work, but it makes sense to me. Like, if you don't use a joint the way it's designed, then you're not going to like maintain its function. If I take my elbow and keep it like this every day for the next year, it's probably not going to be that great to extend it to where it's supposed to go, right? So same thing goes with your knee. If you don't practice what it's capable of, it's never going to give you those options and sure in hell won't give you the option to do so when it comes to a squat, like a back squat where you fucking have a barbell loaded onto your spine. And you're just hoping for the best when you're trying to do 195 pounds. So let's get into some exercises, which I've done before um, for this one specifically, but we're going to go over knee cars. Hopefully I have a good video. So, Here's one um, exercise. We're going to probably go through all of my CARS exercises that I have. Come on, full screen. Do your thing. All right, so I've brought this up before. So we're literally doing the thing that I did, uh, showed you earlier with my own leg. And I'm, we're just going from external to internal rotation. Right, and you can literally see, like, actually this guy right here, fibular head but we were looking at before as I changed my side. But yeah, we're just going back and forth. And the key thing here is like, look at the angle of my ankle. If I had my foot out straight, then I wouldn't really get that much rotation. And I don't know why I pressed play, but yeah, I wouldn't be able to get enough rotation, having my foot in plantar flexion. That's why I need to make sure the ankle is locked out. So then you can move primarily just through the tibia. That's one option. Now, going back to my previous statement of, you know, if I don't use my joint the way it's designed and I limit, you know, it to, in this case, being in a flex position, knowing that my knee can also extend, then I'm leaving a lot on the table. So what you do is also practice knee cars with um, extension and flexion. And I think this is a video where I talk or maybe not. Okay, good. So I'm going to flexion, going back up to extension, and I'm doing tibial rotation in that extended position because your knee can do that, which, again, should be part of normal knee function. So something like this is, for me, I do every single day as part of like you know my warm-up routine, um, or even before my kin stretch, or... If I'm back squatting or doing lunges that day in my workout, then I'm going to do this as my warm-up. right? So there's ways to also isolate um, that motion. And a couple of them is this guy. Come on, load, 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 load. All right, so I have a yoga block in between my knee. And now you can see that I'm going back and forth between external and internal rotation. And it's something that, you know, most people can do. It's a different position. You're standing rather than seated. Um, Something to play around with. But if I had someone with a really, really sticky um, tibia that does not move, then we need to do some pails and rails. So I have done a lot of content on pails and rails. So I'm not going to go over that in depth, Um, but it's important to note that pails and rails is the magic sauce when it comes to creating tissue change. So I literally have put my tibia in a externally rotated position and I have a full stretch. So in this sense, and this can be a little bit aggressive for most people, like it's a yoga block. It's quite big, so you might want to start with something smaller. And I'm literally just holding that for about two minutes. After the two minutes, we're going to start doing our pails and rails contractions where we're force-feeding our nervous system at a cellular level to influence the tissue for change. So now I'm pushing my foot down into this block as hard as I can to affect all the tissue at the top here of my shin. After that, I'm going to do the opposite, where I'm going to try to drive the toe off it, which is going to be impossible because I'm at my end range. But now I'm creating an isometric traction on the other side of my tibia and all the tissue underneath. So now I have some tools in my toolbox to create better moving, um, a better moving knee joint essentially. But the other thing that people don't think about a lot. And this happens a lot in the clinic. People come in with knee pain and they're like, I need your help. I need you to help treat the knee. But then our practitioners and myself included, when we assess the person, I would say 9.9 times out of 10, when it comes to um, knee pain, you check their hips And their hip mobility is terrible. So, let's look at, uh, there it is. Full screen does, yes. Such a better photo. Okay, front of the leg here. The big thing is, look at all this white stuff, right? at a certain point all these muscles that run from the hip coming down blend in with each other for those who have done a cadaver lab or have seen cadaver dissections if you were to have this section in front of you getting really close to the knee it's going to be really really difficult to figure out you know which one is the it band which one is the rectus femoris which one is the sartorius what Where, like, which one is which? Because they all blend in together. And this is the whole, like, concept of bioflow when it comes to movement and how everything is literally integrated with each other. Yes, there are separate muscles, but they all intertwine with each other at certain joints, especially from the hip to the knee, in my opinion. A couple things that I always see is people will get, say, pain in the front of their knee. Right, But again, look, look at all the stuff that blends into this one area. Uh, there's a lot. So if somebody has a tight hip and they have these muscles that run all the way down to the knee, then the line of pull from here to here is going to start tightening up. So sure as shit, your knee is not going to feel good if all this stuff is constantly tight. AKA you sitting every single day and being inactive, right? The other thing too is people are, will start running and their IT band gets super tight. And again, the IT band is designed to be tight, but for most part, we all said, You already have tight hips, tight quads. And now you start running where literally the motion of running every time you, you know, a stride and your foot goes down to the ground, all of your quad muscles are designed to prevent your knee from hyperextending and popping out of place. So every foot contact with your body weight of, say, anywhere from 150 to 250 pounds needs to be stopped multiple times. Like in a mile, the amount of foot contacts per leg is around 1,500 Like, holy shit, that's a lot of work for all these muscles to prevent your knee from doing that, right? So you're taking this individual or yourself um, with a really, really, really tight um, hip and tight quads, and now you're adding this. Sure, yeah, your IT band's going to get overworked and stay even tighter because it's trying to do its job. But now you're just kind of fueling the fire with more gasoline on it, and you got knee pain. But now imagine... You have this other muscle, which is super important in my opinion, called your sartorius. It starts from the hip and works its way down all the way to the inside of the knee, wraps around to the front. If you're telling me that your hip has no influence on how this knee feels, fuck. So for me, when I do kin stretch, the, what's really interesting is seeing how people's bodies have adapted. And when I do any adductor work, because a sartorius is an adductor and a hip flexor. So when I do those two motions with people's hips, they're really weak, really, really weak. And what happens in our body is when something is weak, something else has to make up for it. And usually we'll make something else tight to compensate for it. So we have all these things that are working against us and we're surprised when our knee starts hurting, right? Like I'm literally just scratching the surface on all of this stuff because I can talk forever on hip mobility, knee pain, knee motion, things like that. So to kind of make it simple, if this hip does not move, then the motion that is necessary for you back squatting or running or walking is going to have to be made up from either the knee and worse yet, the fucking lower back, which is another joint that's not meant to have so much range of motion. It's meant to be stable, right? So that's how our body works is if one segment or one area doesn't move the way it should, Thing above or below it is going to have to do more work. Now the other thing, and I don't have a photo of this, um, or actually, you know what? Let's let's do this because I want to quickly get into. We're gonna have to take a little trip down to Facebook land. Uh, da, 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 da. And if you don't follow me on Facebook, you hundred percent should. I posted actually a couple days ago on the ankle. Yes, I love when things work out. So remember how we were looking at the knee, the tibia, which is right here. Now, remember how it's supposed to rotate? What if this joint here, your ankle, doesn't move as well as it should? Now, if you think when you squat and you're descending down, your tibia doesn't stay upright like this. It has to go forward into an angle where your knee almost goes in line with your toes. So what if this joint, like your talus, doesn't move and glide the way it should, and you get to a sort of sticking point, and that's as far as it can go, and where is the made-up range of motion going to come from? Probably your knee. Probably your hips. What if your hips also suck? And you're literally just jamming force into your knee joint. That shit's going to hurt too over time, right? This is the other thing that people don't think about. It's like, do I have adequate ankle mobility? Maybe, maybe not. So we have that. The other thing I wanted to go over too is another photo of the anatomy of the knee. And let's look at this. So we talked about the tibia, talked about the fibula, and the patella. But now in this knee, we have all these, you know, you have your meniscus, all the cartilage, you have your ligament and everything else. So, again, this can be another huge, huge, huge topic. But... um, one of the major injuries that I've seen is an ACL tear. And when people get um, surgery done, the number one thing they need to do is one, go through the whole, you know, physio um, initial steps from the hospital that allows you to get discharged and, you know, go home and start doing your rehab and physio, but regaining Um, extension so remember how i said how our quads are responsible to ensure that you don't go into hyper extension with your knee but when you get an acl um, surgery it's really difficult to get extension back and when you think about it like we need to be able to extend our knee and people will say like, sometimes it just feels like locked or stuck and it can't move any further. So learning how to regain extension in a safe environment. And I'm not saying that you should do this on your own. This is where you need to hire a professional or someone like me who understands anatomy and movement to help regain that mobility. But a lot of times when people do their rehab and physio half-ass, they don't get that back. And then they have this, weird feeling of instability in the knee and they feel like it's just going to pop out and then the joke in my industry is like when you meet someone with an acl tear you ask them when's the second time you tore your acl because usually the people don't become you know diligent with their rehab and movement prep when it comes to regaining range of motion in their knee they kind of just like settle it because what do we do most of the time what i'm doing right now sitting i'm having my knee in a position of like 90 degree of flexion and I'm not going to extend. Like, I don't know for, for you guys, like when I'm sitting watching a movie in the theater, like I can lean back and just extend my legs all the time. Cause then my knees just like feel terrible if I don't extend them. But I think I'm going to leave it at that because we've talked a lot or we didn't, I did. Um, I'm going to try to, Get off the screen share. There we go. Okay, so knee pain, huge contributors are your hip mobility and ankles. If you indirectly influence those two things, your knees are going to feel better. The analogy I give all the time to clients and patients is imagine if you know, you're know you looking at my ceiling right here and you see this huge, like, Stain, you're like, okay, that's that's water. Would you, as a homeowner or a renter, obviously you're not going to, never mind. I was going to go on a weird tangent. Um, You wouldn't be like, oh, well, I'm just going to patch that up and it's going to be good. Because we all know that a month from now, we're going to see the same thing and it's going to get worse. So when we see that there's that, circle of water damage we right away know okay well above that ceiling there's something that is causing that leak so we're gonna have to open up the ceiling and fix it and then repatch the ceiling our bodies are the same thing if my knee hurts i'm not gonna just go treat the knee because most likely the thing above it is causing um the pain so my goal i guess with this episode is not only is it to help educate about knee pain but to go seek out individuals and professionals like myself that have experience to help you through it cuz a lot of times it's not just i'm just going to you know rock tape or put a brace on my knee and foam roll the shit out of my IT band it's other things that you need to be more proactive with and choosing exercises that you may not be able to do just yet that will help improve the you know, amount of force being put down onto your knees. So I'm going to end it there. Hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you have any more questions about um, knee pain, hip pain, ankle pain, any, any joint really, feel free to reach out, um, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, hit the show notes and watch this episode, and also subscribe to my channel Keep an eye and ear out for my new book. I'm almost done. I'm just putting it all together, all the finishing touches that are super annoying and not fun like when I was writing it. But uh, the new year, I'm going to drop my book, The Ironclad Body Training System, Volume 2. That is it for me, you guys. Until next time. What is up, on my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski. And I'm excited for today's episode because I'm going old school, and using my mic setup, as you can uh, see in this video. So hopefully the quality of sound is better than my um, AirPods that I've been using. And we are going to get right into it because we have a lot to cover. So a couple people reached out on my episode about knee pain specifically. And if you haven't watched it, I'll link it into this episode in the show notes. So definitely watch that. And we're also going to go over um, a lot of exercise stuff. So if you are listening, I would 100% watch this episode. So again, when you have a chance, hit the show notes and click the link to watch this episode because we're going to go over all knee-friendly exercises because in that last episode, we went over a lot of, you know, anatomy. We went over um, the mechanisms of knee pain, some injuries, um, what happens to the knee when it comes to, um, you know, positioning and things like that. So, Um, That was kind of like an introduction, so I was thinking, you know, for part two because I had so many people reach out like, hey, I do this exercise and it hurts my knee still, should I be doing it? And I had another question where someone asked, you know, I do this exercise, sometimes it hurts, sometimes it doesn't, so there's a lot to it. So we're going to go over an exercise specific if you are currently dealing with knee pain. So, the exercises that I'm going to, you know, air quote, prescribe only will work if you're an individual that has, you know, seen a physio, chiro, or some sort of medical professional to help, you know, guide the recovery of the knee injury in the right direction, and you are cleared for exercise, and most of these exercises tend to be somewhat safe, Um, And that's kind of like a general term because again, you know, I can say that this exercise is great for you, but you know, you put it into practice and it still doesn't feel right. And there's a lot of factors that come into it. So I can't have like a blanket statement of, you know, do this exercise and all your problems will be solved. These are, you know, from my experience in the industry of 12 years that usually these tend to work better than some. So, I'm going to share my screen, and perfect. Full screen this. I'm going to make myself a little bit bigger. Come on now. Oh no, you guys are also getting a little preview of my book, um, which, by the way, I'm going to bring up. So yesterday, I believe, or the day before, I can't remember what day, um, I put out the official notice that my book is going to be coming out this January. And the cool thing is that in my ebook and the physical book, if I get all my shit figured out, um, you are going to receive full-on kin stretch workouts so if you can already see on my screen here um, I've uploaded six and I have two other ones so you're going to get a full eight um, kin stretch workouts in my new book that you can literally click play and follow along which is going to be super cool but anyway let's talk about knee exercises so um, we're going to talk about foam rolling first and before we even get into it um i've done a full-on tutorial on foam rolling i've done a full-on episode on foam rolling which is right here um it's episode 348 you can either watch it or you can listen to it again this episode in particular um was done in my car so you don't really need to watch it unless you want to watch my face as i talk but um The reason why I want to bring up foam rolling, but I'm going to have a full foam rolling tutorial. So if you go on my YouTube page and just type in foam rolling tutorial, you'll find it. Uh, Okay, what do I want to... This guy. So when I work with anybody, every single session starts with foam rolling. And here's the thing. Foam rolling is not going to, you know, fix all your issues. It's not going to change tissue quality. It's not going to, you know, I wonder if I can get this in HD. Never mind. Um, It's not going to fix your pain. But what you're going to do is one, influence your nervous system, and two, kind of tell it to ease off on the e-break. So our nervous system literally controls everything that we do when it comes from a stress response to a pain response. And in this particular case, we're trying to influence the pain response. So for the most part, many of us who deal with a regular job, we sit, and you know i cover this topic so so many times and we all know that our hips are pretty tight because of sitting so when we go in the gym if you think about all the muscles attached to the hip on the front side so let's like say your quads your tfl your hip flexors all those things have all this like neurological tension on it because we've been sitting in this chair like i am right now For a prolonged amount of time. So now there's stress and tension on it. So now imagine you trying to do a back squat or a lunge or something athletic. All those muscles in the front of your leg have this built up tension. Now imagine you trying to perform that exercise and it's pulling on stuff attaching to your knee. Cause, you know, we've done a lot of anatomy stuff on my podcast and on my posts, like, which I need to start bringing up again but um there's a lot of muscles that cross the hip and knee or you know just cross the knee in general that play a huge role in lower body exercises so now imagine that you've sat for 10 hours and then sat in your car to drive to the gym and you have all this unwanted stress and tension on the musculature around the knee and now you're trying to do a lunge like probably it's not going to feel that great because one of the biggest um, you know, complaints I get from people with knee pain is that certain leg exercises bug their knee. And it tends to be a lot of exercises that are you know, knee dominant, like step-ups, walking lunges, forward lunges, lunges in general. Um, so those exercises tend to flare it up. But what if I had a device, aka the foam roller, that could possibly... Communicate with that nervous system to be like, hey, you don't need to keep that tension on, you know, the IT band, TFL, quad, things like that, um, to give you a little bit more range. So now I'm actually going to play this video where, you know, I start off rolling not only my um, IT band, but I'm also going into my quad, and I'm also going to go into my, like my TFL and everything like that as well. Right. And yes, you know, you can get into stuff as, you know, no, don't roll your IT band. It's designed to stay tight, which is true. But I would make the argument that, you know, if you're sitting all day, you're placing more, you know, information to your nervous system to keep all those muscles that attach to the hip and the knee, aka your IT band to be even more tight. So if I could release some tension on there. Even though the IT band will stay tight, I know it sounds redundant, but it will ease off a little bit, and that's going to play a huge role on preventing that, you know, unwanted knee stress, knee pain. So every single um, client that I start with, I'm going to foam roll all those, you know, culprits that tend to be tight that we're going to affect the exercises that we do. So now, imagine, you know, I spent like, and again, I spend like maybe five to seven minutes in the hour on foam rolling, and that will be the entire body. Or if I have a more lower body uh, focused uh, exercise, then we're going to spend a little bit more time to get the nooks and crannies of that lower musculature. But this is how we start. So now that I have some information being sent to the nervous system to, you know, settle down, getting some blood flow to the area, now we're going to mobilize it. So a lot of times with my, um, People that are not happy with their knee progress when it comes to pain, um, we need to mobilize the musculature around that um, knee joint. So one big thing that tends to happen is that you know hip flexors are super tight. So from foam rolling, I will literally work on Know, hip mobility. So right now I'm doing a half kneeling hip flexor stretch. And the key here is, well, as I turn to the other side, you see my toe in the back. I'm cueing my hips to do a pelvic tilt to kind of get more tension on um, all the musculature in the front of the hip. And then I'm also pushing down with my um, hands down to my knee to create a little bit more Contraction through my core to kind of send more of a signal to my nervous system that I'm trying to influence this tissue. And then I'm rocking forward and back with that hip. So we take a second area, I'm rocking forward and back. So now we're influencing the stuff that influences the knee because the knee which I've said on the podcast before is AKA the stupid joint. It's dictated by what the ankle and the hip does. So I need to influence the hip and ankle to move a little bit better to ensure that the knee tracks in the right direction when we're doing lower body exercises. So now I'm doing, you know, my hip flexors and quad and things like that. But you know, this exercise might not be good for you. Like I said, in the very beginning of this episode, because being in this position might be causing unwanted stress on that hip flexor. So there's a couple of things. Something as simple as like, let's put a little foam pad underneath the knee. That tends to fix it. But sometimes when people have really flared up knees, really bad knees, they've had surgeries 20 years ago and now they're trying to get back into it. Like this is probably a no-go, you know? But you can play around with maybe not doing the pelvic tilt, maybe not squeezing the ass as hard as possible, maybe just doing a simple rock or getting... Um, used to the um position or maybe just getting rid of that back toe all great options right so now we have done hip flexion hip flexors and things like that but what also influences the hip well we have our external rotators so one of my favorite exercises that we're gonna get into is our 9090 so let's just Type in ninety ninety and we'll see what we get. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, 100% you should because the amount of videos I have on here for a resource, like, I'm pretty sure I'm close to 2,000. So, oh, of course we would have an ad as I'm trying to do this freaking... I wonder if I get money for this. <laughs> Probably not. But... uh I'm going to move myself over here. So we have our 90-90 position before I go in. So the big key here is knee in line with the front hip, knee in line with the ankle, and same thing in the back. So we have our 90-90 what we're doing here in this upright position is we're arching low back because that's going to open up the hip capsule and all those external rotators of your hip. So, when it comes to knee stuff, if I'm going to squat, I want to push my knees out on the way down, on the way up. If I don't have enough external rotation of my hips, my knees are most likely going to cave in, favoring internal rotation. Going, oh, sorry, I hit my microphone. Um, favoring internal rotation, going into that valgus collapse. And you're going to look like, you know, a melted candle trying to come back up into your squat. So we're going to influence all those tissues to help us uh, with hip external rotation. But look at, the, look at this mastery of cleverness I come up with. Um, so we did hip, um, hip flexors earlier which is responsible for hip flexion. So if I'm going to be doing lunges or squats, it requires an adequate amount of hip flexion. So if I've been sitting all day and making hip flexion stiff, it would make sense that I need to work on that in my warm-up in order that my squat and lunges will feel better and my knees will have less tension. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to like proper training. and I feel like I'm gonna go on a tangent right now because you know so many people that, will come up to me. They'll ask me questions. And then I give them a response of like what I just said. And it makes sense to them. But I'm like, how do you find that information online when you're trying to navigate your own health and fitness? You know, like, yes, you can go on YouTube and search up free workouts, you know, 20-minute yoga power, whatever, or like high-intensity intervals, sweet, right? That's for generalized people. But what if you're dealing with something completely different than all the other 7000 people that watched that video that did that work on that found it okay maybe your low back doesn't like it maybe this maybe that it's similar and i give this analogy all the time It's like you know my dishwasher breaks sure i can go on youtube find that exact model find a great tutorial to fix it but when I go in there and spend like three hours trying to do it, while the video literally shows the guy doing it for three minutes because he's somewhat more capable than I am, because maybe he has a construction background, maybe he builds houses for a living, who knows? But he's somewhat of, you know, above average in that field and has that knowledge. So, you know, yeah, I could fix it after three to four hours and most likely three months, four months. 6 months down the road, maybe a year from now, that dishwasher is going to go again because I didn't put, you know, the expertise that, you know, that guy who made the video might have and I could have just hired someone like him or her to come in and just fix it and pay them for the hour, maybe even 40 minutes, save myself a lot of time and a lot of money just getting it done professionally. And this is where I find people for some reason in the fitness industry, it's like everyone thinks that they can do it on their own you know, like I spent literally 12 years of my life trying to perfect my craft. So when people are like, you know what, thank you for all the free information that you always give, but I'm going to do it on my own. And it's like, sweet. Like, yes, I want to help people. But at the same time, it's like, you're going to end up hitting a wall. And this is where like individual recommendations and individual approaches come in handy. Like, you know, me trying to fix my own car. Yes, I can go watch the YouTube video and hope for the best. But when it just makes more sense to give it to someone that's professional and make sure it's not going to crap out on you, right? But that's a whole nother podcast, maybe, of why you need to hire a trainer. Um, that's good. Anyway, we got the magic sauce here. Hip ninety ninety. We are getting those hip external rotators and flexors ready for our workout so it's simple just forward and back to shorten and lengthen the musculature to prep the body so now we have gotten two specific things for our knees to be a little bit happier when it comes to squatting and lunge so now let's get into the ankle joint but we're going to go back to the hip joint too because how i also create warm-ups specifically, is we're starting from the bottom-up. So if I'm doing a warm-up, it'd be kind of stupid for me to waste time because I want to be efficient in my workout. I want to get as much out of it. And honestly, this can be another episode too about do you really need a full hour of training, right? Who who came up with that? Really, like, Think about that right now who came up with this whole idea that you have to work out for an hour think about where that came from i don't even fucking know right but what if you're an individual that literally has so much going on and you could only do like oh 20 minutes maybe maybe that's maybe that's your jam so if you have 20 minutes how do you prioritize a workout like these are the things you need to be asking yourself but anyway um ooh, by the way we're at 361 subscribers. Guys, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, 100%, you got to do it because I post a lot of new stuff, and it's great value. Um, we're also going to influence this ankle. That's where I was going. I'm going a lot of tangents here. I'm so sorry. So ankle cars. I've played this before, and I believe I might have played this for um, the last video on knee pain. Man, we are getting a lot of ads today. I'm not uh, hacking metabolism, hey? Oh, interesting. Oh, you know what? I think this might be... Well, this again, this is so good that we're going over this. I'm pretty sure this is for seeing if you're in ketosis or something. Oh, interesting. I actually had someone reach out to me from a company that has literally one of the same products where you have to blow into it to see if you're in ketosis and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this, and I never got around to it. But um, anyway, sidetrack. Ankle cars. So if I'm going to influence how my knee is going to move in a workout, we covered the hip a little bit, and now we're also going to cover the ankle. So we're going to do ankle cars. Nice and simple. Big ankle circles. You can also do just standing ankle dorsiflexion, going forward and back. But you want to cover those ankles if I'm an individual that has. Uh, knee issues, knee tightness, knee flare-ups, knee pain of any sort to make sure that my ankles are loosey-goosey and have enough range when it comes to doing lunges, squats, whatever. So nice and simple ankle cars. You got that on my YouTube channel that you're going to subscribe to at the end of this uh, episode, right? All right, so now we're going to be standing. We're going to influence the hip a little bit more and more dynamic. Um setting environment so we're going to do hip cars and hopefully i have an updated hip car for you guys um know what we are going to go with yeah there's a lot of variations but one of my favorite ones is my wall th- uh, facing hip cars so with this one it's Really good in the sense that you're not going to cheat because you're going to have full um, kind of feedback if you're leaning over to cheat by that other elbow. So my left elbow bending. But now I'm taking my hip through all the planes of motion that it can do. So right now I'm coming up into hip flexion, hip abduction, hip internal rotation, going into extension. And then same thing, we're going to go back, hip extension, hip external rotation, back to flexion, and back down. So when you think about it, the hip can move in so many different positions, and it would be stupid of me that if I'm going to work out and move my hip in all these different positions because I want to do lunges and squats and deadlifts, it would make sense to warm up my hip joint the weights it's designed. So there you go. We have hip cars. So we covered a lot of mobility stuff, right? What is this? Um, and we haven't even covered exercises that you should be doing instead of things that will hurt the knee. So these exercises I just gave, yes, they are um, part of, you know, your warmup, but these can also be your AKA rehab exercises for someone that's dealing with knee pain. Like me working in the clinic with patients that have knee pain, these are the exact same exercises that I give them. Like these are that tipping point that if you are dealing with pain, I want you to be efficient at them so then you can move past your block when it comes to seeing success. Cause that's like the worst thing is that, you know, people are trying to lose weight, they're inactive. Think shit hurts. And then you go to the gym and you have this mentality of no pain, no gain. And you know, you're pushing through it. And then eventually your body goes, you know, fuck, stop being stupid. I'm going to stop you and shut you down all completely by creating more tension in that knee joint. And you're going to feel pain. And I'm going to stop you. So now you have to take time off. And kind of go through the cycle of taking, taking time off, getting consistent, taking time off, getting consistent. And over a year span, you're not going to see, you know, the results you're hoping for. So in that case, you know, if someone can do the literally the exercises that I just gave them uh, in this video every single day, they're going to see huge, huge changes. But whole nother story that we can get into let's get into some knee friendly exercises so big thing is we're going to go into reverse lunges and we're going to get into this guy so why do reverse lunges work beautifully for knee pain so In this video, you can see that I do have quite the angle of the knee kind of hovering over the ankle, right? And this is your typical reverse lunge where you're going to have somewhat of knee flexion. Again, that's not wrong, but if I had an individual that's like, yeah, my knee sometimes hurts when I do reverse lunges, then rather than having this kind of shin angle, I would have them go further back. So in this video, when I take a step back, I'll take a bigger step back, and I kind of do this in this rep, but if I had my back foot like three inches further back, guess where this knee is going to end up? It's probably like if this is the front of my knee, it's probably going to end up here. That's going to be in line with that ankle. So you won't have the stress of all this like musculature here. If you look at my cruiser, cursor, cursor, um, going over top of my knee, it's going to have less of tension on here. So now most likely this is not going to bug me at all. So we have this exercise. Say that doesn't work or it does work and now we need more options. And we are going to get into some single leg deadlifts. So let us find... What am I doing? There we go. Um, we're going to show the contralateral, which I'll also bring up what the hell I just said. So contralateral load is when I am holding the kettlebell, say on this case, the right side, and my left leg is the working leg. Let's uh, get myself a little smaller here, too. And the reason why I do this compared to, say, coming down and having this kettlebell on this hand while this leg is working is that most general population don't have enough hip stability to prevent this opposite hip from like poking up towards the ceiling, and it becomes a balancing act. Whereas a contralateral load your body's forced to stabilize. And the joke that I always make is that, you know, if I could get somebody single leg deadlifting in a contralateral load like this video with like 45 pounds, all their issues and problems in the gym would go away. So let's look at the mechanism behind why the single leg deadlift is like one of the best exercises. And we're going to go from the bottom up. So in order to do the single leg deadlift, my foot needs to be stable. My arch needs to be strong. My big toe needs to be able to press down into the ground to activate my glutes. Mm -hmm. My knee needs to learn how to be stable. My ankle needs to learn how to be stable. My hip needs to learn how to be stable. I'm working my grip strength by death gripping this thing. I'm learning how to create shoulder stability i'm learning how to create low back stability and then from that i'm also learning how to strengthen up my hamstrings my adductors my hip external rotators basically any hip stability muscle out there and this exercise just is literally an end-all be-all and when it comes from like a performance standpoint having this load on a contralateral uh, position, it's literally pushing me down. So I have to resist rotation. So now this becomes like a, an ultimate core exercise that most people don't do. They kind of just skim over the single leg deadlift and they're like, I'm just going to go barbell deadlift. Imagine if I loaded this thing, like I could take, Any dude in the gym, in a public gym that's like, say, deadlifting 300 pounds and doesn't do any single leg work and give him like a 12 kilo kettlebell, he would be falling over like no tomorrow. But imagine that person that can deadlift 300 and was able to deadlift like a 150 pound dumbbell or whatever, like some sort of 150 pound um, load contralaterally and then try to do a, a double leg deadlift, like fuck, those numbers would go up really fast. Anyway ultimate exercise but the nice thing is that the single leg deadlift tends to be very knee friendly yes i do have slight knee flexion but it's not so much that you know it resembles a forward lunge or walking lunge that pushes down onto the quads because it's not a quad dominant exercise you're getting more hamstring and glute than anything so it tends to pull off any kind of pressure on that knee and I would say nine out of 10 times this is a great solution for um, people with knee pain. But uh, let's continue this lovely journey onto the next one. So we are going to look at a lateral split squat. And uh, let's go with this guy. I have a lot of variations, obviously all right so traditionally lateral lunges are not the greatest for knee stuff but when you look at the lateral split squat and i'm going to pause it here what does this kind of resemble it's a hip hinge literally the lateral split squat because i'm not taking a step and that's important is that when you're dealing with um, knee pain doing anything where you have to take a step and decelerate that's all quad like your quads are built to ensure your knee doesn't go into like hyper extension that's why when you go hiking and you're hiking back down on the mountain the next day your quads are destroyed because it's literally like every single step that you did for like an hour your quads are like firing like crazy to make sure your knee doesn't like hyperextend. so when it comes to creating more control and creating a better environment for your knee, a split squat um, compared to like a full-on lunge that requires locomotion tends to be the better choice. But the point that I was trying to make is when you look at the lateral split squat or even just lateral lunge in general, your body goes into a hip hinge. And I remember going to a conference and a really smart guy named – his name again doesn't matter (laughs) um said that when you look at the lateral split squat lateral lunge it's literally a lateral deadlift and that kind of like blew my mind it gave me so many light bulbs and i was like damn that's like really freaking good so if we go off that logic then a lateral split squat should be good if we eliminate lateral lunges which requires that those quads to um Activate and decelerate, and again put unnecessary tension on that knee. Then, you know, we should stay away from that. But a lateral split squat, if it's a lateral deadlift, it's most likely going to play in our favor. So, for the most part, I would say seven or eight out of times, uh, out of ten times, um, the lateral split squat is another great um, solution for people with knee pain. Now, let us go into more exercises. So if you think about this we're trying to control um where the motion of the knee is so in a split squat position that knee angle is going to stay the same constantly so if we go off of that logic things like glute bridges would be great um things like hip thrusts single leg hip thrusts hamstring curls all those things tend to um be the better option. I'm going to go back to just me here. Um, So we have glute bridges, single leg glute bridges, feet elevated glute bridges, single leg feet elevated glute bridges. We have hip thrusts, single leg hip thrusts, barbell glute bridge, barbell hip thrusts, single leg barbell glute bridge, single leg hip thrusts. And now you can kind of see like all those exercises don't require a lot of you know, movement at the knee, it kind of like literally like you can have your knee angle at 90 degrees the entire time. And when the knee becomes aggravated, it's when that knee joint has to move under load. So all those exercises, like I gave you a long list of stuff that you can do, um, which will help in the long run. So now we have all these different options. And now imagine if you're an individual that has been struggling with on and off, knee pain, um, implementing these instead of the exercise that you're doing right now is most likely going to lead you in the right direction. So this is the thing that I love doing is like working with an individual that has been training for a while or off and on, but has a lot of experience and they get into these like pockets of their journey where they're just not progressing. Something hurts and it's like, okay, let's identify the issue let's figure out why it's causing you pain and let's figure out exercises that are going to not aggravate it anymore. So now imagine you taking your entire program, I deconstruct and throw in exercises that are not going to bug your knee. You're going to see huge gains. And that's what I do. And this is what my book is about too, because you're going to do an assessment. And that's my biggest thing is that I need to assess where you're at. I need to see how you move. I need to see, what joint is doing what. So now I can be able to distinguish what exercise might cause irritation at the knee joint and now throw in exercise that won't. And that's where people will see huge changes. So I'm going to leave it there because I feel like I've been talking forever, but uh, I think that's going to give you a lot of clarity on where, you know, you should go when it comes to um, knee pain, knee uh Friendly exercises and things like that, and kind of put you in the right direction. So, um, I'm gonna leave it there. Um, 100% hit the show notes to watch this episode. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel, put your name down for my ebook uh, presale list. So, in January, when I release the official date for it, I'm going to email every single person on my presale list and let them know that. Here's the link that you can use before anyone else on the internet and you're going to get yourself a copy. I'm literally just putting the finishing touches on my book. It is so freaking good. Um, Over 100,000 words. This thing is going to be a monster. You're going to have a program to follow, an assessment to do that will dictate what you're going to do in the program full on kin stretch workouts where you get to follow along with me. Like I'm actually coaching you a lot of anatomy that you're going to learn and not like boring stuff. Like I use my humor a lot when I teach anatomy and it's going to shed some light on why certain things feel a certain way or why you're doing a certain exercise. And I go into all my training methodolo- methodologies and There's just a lot. And later today, actually, I'm going to be posting the full on um, index of my book online. So keep an eye out on that. So you 100% want to put your name on that presale list because this book is the best work I've ever put out in my entire career. And I am excited to share it with you guys. So I'm going to end it there. Thank you so much for listening till next time.